0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're going to talk about three personal finance. Success metrics. Now, when it comes to being successful from a personal financial standpoint, there's really three critical metrics that successful people tend to pay attention to. their cash flow, their net worth, and their their savings rates. So that's what we're going to dive into today. And with me today, I have certified financial planner Kelsey Banky here with me. So, Kelsey, Let's start talking about cash flow. (laughs) How can you talk about cash flow without the word budgeting coming up?
1: (laughs) It's not possible. And and I guess one of the big things that is that you need to think about with your cash flow and your budget is you need to know how much is coming in. And if you want to make forward progress, less money has to go out than what's coming in.
0: Yeah, it's kind of basic that way, right? It's that
1: simple. And if you've never looked at what's going out... How do you know where you stand yeah. on that? And that's where a lot of people fail is that they fail to even look at it. And it's not even that you have to hold yourself to this perfectly penny, um, down to the penny um, monitoring on your budget. You just need to to have a handle on it. So, um, and unfortunately, budget's not a very fun word. But <laughs> you do need to, to look at what you're spending your money
0: on to know if you're spending too much or too, or you're in the right place. Well, the, the the truth of it, whether it's the unfortunate truth or just the truth of it, is that cash flow is absolutely, without a doubt, the foundation of your personal finances. Because negative cash flow, meaning spending more than you're bringing in, is not going to allow you to thrive and grow from a financial standpoint. So if you're not sure how your spending does stack up against your income, like Kelsey was saying, you really easily can get into trouble. And people get into trouble by overspending in a lot of different areas. So it can be last minute things that they're spending money on. It can be blowing money on big vacations. It can be buying a house that is too much house for your income level. I mean, there's lots of different things that people overspend on, but they're usually doing it because they're not paying attention. Well,
1: I would agree with that. I mean, people might have a really good month-to-month spending pattern, um, but something comes up that just kind of blows it up. And, and a common one you hear people talk about or become frustrated with is the cost of Christmas <laughs> or the cost of birthdays or the cost of vacation. And
0: it's like you didn't know they were coming. Well, that's
1: just it. It's like, like
0: Christmas comes once a year. We kind of know it's out we there. We <laughs>
1: have 12 months to know that the holidays are coming. And and regardless, you know, I see lots of different Strategies on how people celebrate the holidays, and you can definitely do that however you want. But if you plan to spend a lot of money, consider saving for it all year long. I mean, that's uh, you know it's coming. So either stock away your uh, your tax refund to that uh, spending goal, or save monthly, or bonuses, or whatever you have coming in for money. Consider how you're going to prepay. Instead of post pay, because then what happens is you, you get into a position where you can't, uh, you, you've spent too much and now you have to dig out from that. And pretty soon your monthly budget isn't working as well for you. So um, that's, you know, people who have their month to month figured out, the next place they trip up is usually those big things. But if you can get a handle and project on both of those, you, you can get yourself in a pretty good situation to then be helping you toward tip number two.
0: Well, here's the thing if, if you're like most people, Most people are not paying close attention to what they're spending. And so if you actually did track or organize what you're spending your money on, my hunch is you're going to have some big aha moments. So I actually want to put a challenge out there to all of our listeners. And I would like to challenge you for one week to actually track and and be mindful of every single dollar you spend in just one week. Now, if I told you to do it for a month, nobody would do it. (laughs) So I'm just saying do this for one week. And I would love to hear back from our listeners of what the aha moments were that they had. Because what we find is when people take this challenge that they find out things about themselves that they really didn't know were happening. Now, hopefully you're in a position where you have plenty of money and your cash flow is easy and you're not really worried about overspending on things. But especially if you're in that situation, especially if you have ease of cash flow or you think you do, taking this one week challenge to track what your spending is will make you really sit up and kind of pay attention and be thinking, wow, I didn't even know that's what was happening in my household. Absolutely,
1: this is not a conversation just for people who feel strapped for money. This is for all all households. You know, I feel like the the more access to money you have, and the more freely that you you can spend without getting into any issues, you start to spend your money even on crazier things. Um, and and probably one of the craziest ones I've seen is paying for shipping, like ex- expedited shipping on on lots and lots ah. of stuff. <laughs> and you're looking sure. at it, you're like if we would have just been a little bit more prepared, you you wouldn't have to expedite things and you wouldn't have to just give this money away because of, you know, needing it sooner. I mean, and and if that's what you want to spend your money on, that's what you can spend your money on. But what what gets really cool about this challenge is when you see what you spend in a week and then you multiply that to, to get you an annual number, you start going, Oh my gosh, look what this habit, look what this lack of preparation, look at what this, Visit to this place that I spend this amount of money to every week. Look at what this is costing me, and when you look at the big picture of what I like in my case, <laughs> would I rather spend six hundred and fifty dollars a year on soda, or would I rather put six hundred and fifty dollars toward you know my son's college saving? Like <laughs> you can start to see how some slight habit changes might get you closer to your long-term goals. Now that you have to do them, so. Soda might be very important for people, but when you look at your total spending, uh, there's usually some things people are very willing to trim out in order to reach their long-term goals.
0: Which my favorite story from somebody that's taken this challenge is that they uh, were in the habit of going and getting a Starbucks coffee and a muffin every morning on their way to work which I want to say is probably about 6 or $7 for that morning habit. So they took that challenge, and then they paid attention to where the money was going and then kind of looked at that, like Kelsey said, on an annualized basis and decided that's really not how they wanted to be spending that much money a year. They've had plenty of money. They could certainly afford it. It was just a choice, kind of a values-driven choice of how they actually wanted to spend the money. So we introduced them to an app. On their phone that they were able to kind of break their habit um, slowly, and so what the app did was say every time that I go spend money at Starbucks, it's automatically going to take this same amount of money and put it into a fund. And then they were going to be able to see exactly how much they were spending on this Starbucks habit more over time. And then when they started to see that build and started to see what that number was getting to, they it was easy for them to trim that Starbucks habit back and only go once a week or, or even go less than that. And eventually they just decided not to go at all anymore. And what was cool about that is... Then they changed their app to every day that they didn't go to Starbucks, the money was going into a charitable fund. (laughs) So for them, they shifted their Starbucks habit that was kind of throwaway money into a pool of money that was doing good for someone. So kind of a fun way to see that evolve just from a simple one-week money tracking challenge. So I encourage everybody to do that for one week. And if you have an aha moment, we would love to hear about it. Okay, we've talked a little bit about cash flow currently, and I want to pivot for just a second, and I want to talk about cash flow during retirement, because obviously that's something that people have to be thinking about if they're planning for retirement. Now, you may have heard me say before that there's an easy way to budget for retirement, and there's a hard way to do it. The, the hard way is to actually do a budget on a spreadsheet. And, of course, Kelsey and I are kind of spreadsheet geeks, so we love doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> but there's an easier way to do it, and it's called an income gap assessment. And an income gap assessment basically is saying, here's all the money coming into your household now. Here's the money that we know is going to come into your household once you stop getting your paycheck and you've retired. Here's the things that you are not going to be spending money on once you retire. And here's the things that you're going to start spending money on once you retire. And what's the gap that's left? So, it helps us kind of in a quick and easy way figure out how much money is going to need to be pulled from your pool of assets, and then we can use that instead of a full blown budget. So, for people who absolutely hate the idea of tracking what they're spending, and if you, even though it's a personal financial success metric, just aren't going to do it then the income gap assessment is an easier way for people to understand and assess what they're going to need from a, a cash flow standpoint.
1: And I, I definitely think you should do one of these two things because so many people think going into retirement, they just need the same amount of money they needed before they went into retirement. And that's not usually the case. Um, usually there are changes happening um in retirement, you don't have to save for retirement anymore. You maybe have paid off a a loan to a house or a car or something like that. There's things that are dropping your income need down. There are things that make your income need go up, such as increased travel maybe, or medical expenses, or hobby expenses, things like that. Um, But you have, to, you have to evaluate it so that you can make a good, educated decision moving forward on how you're going to spend your money. So pick the, the long way, which is maybe a little more accurate. <laughs> pick the short way, which is going to get you close enough, um, but maybe won't reveal anything to you on how you could um, be a little bit better. Um, both of those options that will accomplish getting to an answer of how much you need to spend in retirement. <music>
0: Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sturck, And today we're talking about three personal finance success metrics that financially successful people actually pay attention to. So the first is knowing your cash flow. That's what we covered in the first half of the show. And now we're going to dive into your net worth. Now, listen, the, the net worth formula is very simple. It hasn't changed over time. Net worth is your assets Minus your debt. That equals your net worth. This is pretty basic math. (laughs) Your assets minus your debt equals your net worth. So why are we talking about that and why is it important?
1: Net worth is really one of the best metrics for understanding your overall financial health. If you have too much debt or proportionately too much debt compared to your assets, um, that can be an indicator that your cash flow and other things are not in the right place. Um, and debt is all something that's going to have to be paid back at some point. So you need to make sure that that's at a healthy level. Now that doesn't have to be zero on debt. Um, people can use debt to leverage their, their assets and to do good things with it. Um, but it does need to be Under control
0: now here's the thing and I have a very firm belief about this that which you can measure you can improve and so measuring your net worth is as simple as doing calculations of what the value of your assets are and what the value of your debt is but most people really should do some type of reality check and be looking at their net worth and refreshing it about twice a year now being the financial planner I am, I do mine quarterly.
1: <laughs> I've been doing mine monthly since I was 20. But that's because I like to see progress. And really every month you you can make progress on your net worth if you're paying down debt. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit more principal that you've paid off on your loans and so I've just always been one where I like to see the visual of it of it constantly moving in the right direction. So
0: if I'm going to measure something frequently, I'd rather see it going up like net worth, rather than it going up like my weight. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see that going down and my net worth going up if I'm going to be measuring something on a frequent basis. (laughs) All right, well, back to net worth. The idea with your net worth is that If you are tracking it, you're probably going to spot some things that you can do to help yourself improve it. So yes, you're going to be paying down debt, but if you're looking at your net worth once or twice a year, at least you're looking at it through the goggles of, did I improve? If I didn't improve, why didn't I improve? And is there anything that I can do about that?
1: And I like the net worth measurement because it's calculating not only how much more did I save this year which for people who maybe have kids and have you know s- multiple cell phones they're paying for and and vehicles and maybe house debt and some other things it can feel like you don't make much forward progress in the savings <laughs> room. It it can feel like that and definitely some months you don't. True. But if you're consistently paying on any debt you have, that net worth number can still tick up even though it maybe doesn't feel so. Again, it's it's that pat on the back that just paying things on time when you're supposed to and then doing some kind of savings every month through your job through personal um, savings but just even small progress in both of those has a positive um, effect on your your net worth number so I like that metric a lot.
0: Now net worth is nothing but a snapshot in time. Of these values and and literally by the next day your net worth is probably slightly different right so my recommendation is that you pick a time and you use that time as a consistent thing so maybe it's January 1st and July 1st each year that you're looking at your net worth or something like that because those points then being consistent is going to actually show you growth in a year-over-year basis what's kind of fun about it is Net worth is assets minus liabilities, right? So if you save some, your assets go up. And if you pay off debt, your debt number goes down. And so your net worth formula is driving forward on both sides of the ticket. And so that's why it can be fun to measure net worth, not just debt reduction or not just asset growth, because the net worth kind of gets a double bang for the buck if you're doing both things. (laughs) It's rewarding both disciplines. So successfully or successful financial people pay attention to this. And if you want to up your game and increase your level of personal financial success, measuring your net worth on a repetitive basis is going to be something that you're going to want to start tracking. All right, the last thing that is the metric of financial success is knowing if you're saving enough for retirement. I mean, this is kind of the Mac Daddy of all financial rules out there, right?
1: oh yeah this is this is definitely a, a high topping in conversation I think it's because most people don't want to talk about debt that they have so right <laughs> they're like yep gotta save for retirement you know or or talking about different retirement savings that they have but how do you know if you're saving enough
0: my guess is that 90% of our listeners have had this thought oh I should have started sooner
1: <laughs> I yes. I frequently am talking with people who are nearing retirement or recently retired or well into retirement, and um, many times people are saying, if I'd just known, I would have started sooner. And they might be in a perfectly good place for retirement, but they still recognize the work they did in their their career, the savings they did while they were employed could have been even better had they started sooner.
0: Now, I'm a firm believer that you have to balance and join today with your money with saving for the future. But saving for the future has to be a part of the conversation, too. So how do you know if you're saving enough for retirement? Well, the way to figure that out is to do some planning. Now, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, there's all kinds of retirement calculators out there. But if you're not a do-it-yourselfer or if it just seems kind of overwhelming to you, then that's where people like Kelsey and I come into play. You know, we can help look at your current situation, help you calculate your net worth, look at your cash flow with you, and help you understand if you are on track for saving for retirement or if there's tweaks that you need to be making. And honestly, the sooner the better. Right, Because the sooner you make tweaks that could help propel you to a more successful retirement, the better off you are. Yeah, I would like to say, and I heard this, I don't even know, so I can't credit the
1: exact source, but... It's never too late to start saving for retirement, so don't if you know if you're in a position where you're like, "Oh, it's too late. I'm just going to work forever." Nope. You can still do some work now that'll make um, you know, the end of your life more comfortable. And it's never too early to start saving for retirement. <laughs> so, for those kids who are are in their 20s maybe and haven't um, got on board with the fact that they're going to get older someday and they should probably save for that time, um, starting as soon as possible is the best thing that you can you can do and your, your future self will thank you.
0: Now when you're looking at if you're saving enough for retirement, there's some factors that go into it beyond just the dollar amount that you're saving. So if you have saved some, you have to be paying attention to how is that savings performing and are you invested in something that's actually a quality program or a quality investment vehicle so the retirement savings conversation is bigger than just one particular number and then you also have to bring into play the idea of inflation things just get more expensive over time and so what you're saving for in terms of a dollar amount now is going to need to be bigger over time because it's going to cost more to live later on i kind of
1: i'm curious We have inflation factors that we apply to things, but it'd be kind of fun to sit here and guess in 20 years, (laughs) what is it going to cost for certain things? Uh, Because I can tell you for sure, 20 years ago, things didn't cost what they cost now. So um, see if the the factors are right or not.
0: I think it's going to be fun to look at. We're going to be having our 15-year anniversary at Sturk Financial next year. But when we had our 10-year anniversary, we did a party that was called the Party of the Decades. And we looked back at all the different decades, decades at what things cost at that time, like how much was a bar of gold and how much was gas and how much was a car and different things like that. And I can tell you, it was astonishing what the differences were and how fun it is to see how things have changed over time. So even just in the five years since we had our decade party, things have changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So the bottom line is this. A good plan for someone who has financial success is going to include understanding your cash flow, knowing your net worth, and being sure that you are set to save enough for a strong retirement. Those are the three factors and those are the things to be tracking. So if you want help with that, then give us a call. This is what we do all day every day for people is help them with their financial planning. And... If you are a do-it-yourselfer, there's lots of different tools out there that you can set yourself up for. So hopefully this has been helpful for listeners as they are on their own journey to personal financial success. And we thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.